Hey everybody, I just want to take a moment to talk about a new thing I'm doing. Over the years, many of you have reached out to me telling me how much you love the podcast, but also wish there were more personalized takeaways and more in-depth interactions with our guests to hear what they think about comedy. This is why I'm now launching my new digital academy, Blueprint for Success. With exclusive interviews and comedy philosophies of stars and industry veterans, personalized versions of the Industry Standard podcast, commercial-free, and one-on-one coaching time with me. Blueprint for Success will give you the powerful tools that will take you up the elevator beyond the competition and reach the highest possible levels to achieve your dreams. Whether it be stand-up, sketch, improv, acting, writing, producing, directing, hosting, radio podcasting, social media influencing, or even if you want a career behind the scenes as a manager or an agent. Now I'm here to help, personally. We'll go on an express train of comedy and entertainment like nobody else has before. You can find out more about Blueprint for Success and the comedy business on my website at barrycats.com. Together, we'll take your career where you want it to go. the kind of core problem in both of our lives is like we wake up and like do we work on Garfunkel Notes? Do we go on an audition? Do we try to write do we try to write a screenplay that day? Like do you do voiceover? What like what what is the best use of our time? And we definitely haven't figured that out. We definitely are I feel like I struggle with time management and where to put my energy and and I still don't know how to do it. The sanity in those times when going on auditions where it just crushes your soul over and over, the thing that it really helps to have something that we're actually creating and is totally just your own. Welcome back to another episode of Industry Standard with me, Barry Katz, live from the Montreal Just for Laughs Festival. Very exciting time here. Such special performers, all different kinds of artists and shows and executives and producers coming together. It's truly one of the highlights of the year if you're in the comedy business. And I want to take the time to thank all of you who are coming here for the first time. Welcome. I appreciate you subscribing. I appreciate you listening. And I'd love it if you passed it along to your friends. And those people who've been here many times before, thank you so much for your support and for doing that over and over again. It means a lot to me and we wouldn't be anywhere without you. Thank you all so much. And we're going to have a great show today. My guests, Garfunkel and Oates. I love these two. They are so talented, so fantastic. I can't think of a better way to get things going than to introduce them. And then we'll get to it. All right. Garfunkel and Oates are an American comedy folk song duo consisting of respected actresses and songwriters Ricky Lindholm and Kate Micucci. Originally from Pennsylvania, they met while performing at the Upright Citizens Brigade Theater in Los Angeles. In 2009, one of their big breaks came when they were featured in the Scrubs episode, My Lawyers in Love, with their original song, Fuck You. Their next big break came that same year when the duo appeared on The Tonight Show with Jay Leno to perform Year End Letter, another of their original songs. 
They were so popular that Leno had them back a year later in 2010 to sing their hit song, Weed Card. With their growing success, in 2011 they released their debut album, All Over Your Face, which topped the iTunes comedy charts at number one. In 2012, they got their first taste of series television when HBO released a five-webisode miniseries entitled, what else, Garfunkel and Oates. Separately, Kate Micucci has appeared in My Lawyers in Love and multiple episodes of Scrubs. She has also made appearances on Big Bang Theory and Weeds and other roles, including voicing characters for shows like Pendleton Ward's Adventure Time, Cartoon Network's animated series Steven Universe, and Disney XD's Motor City. She's also provided the voice for Velma Dinkley in Be Cool and Scooby-Doo. Ricky Lindholm had a recurring role in the hit TV series Gilmore Girls, wrote, produced, and co-directed the award-winning short film Life is Short, and can be seen in Nickelback's Rockstar music video. Additionally, Ricky and her friend and actress-comedian Natasha Leggero created the Comedy Central series that they star in, Another Period. Together, they were named on New Media Rockstar's Top 100 list, and their song Loophole is the most watched video on their YouTube channel, and probably many others, with over 9 million views. These two women are the real deal, and it's an honor to be sitting across from them. Get ready to be inspired. Please welcome my guests, Ricky Lindholm and Kate Micucci, otherwise known as Garfunkel and Oates. Hi. How are you? Good. How are you? Doing good. This is our sort of last thing in the festival. Yeah. They yeah. say that a woman knows within five minutes of meeting a guy if she's going to be with him. Did you know within five minutes of meeting Ricky that you were going to be with her for 10 years? I mean, I don't know. I don't, I don't, didn't know 10 years, but I knew there was something in my gut and soul. And I know it sounds cheesy to say, but I was like, this person's going to be so important to me. I couldn't stop thinking about Ricky. Like I was on a date with, well, my boyfriend at the time and uh, that wasn't going so well. And, uh, and then the next day I kept talking about Ricky and he was like, you like Ricky more than you like me. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Like, that's not a good sign. I just met this woman. Yeah. When you're working together as a team, because when I first started managing, I represented a comedy team called Red Johnny and the Round Guy. And they were very popular in New York. One did beatboxing, the other sang, and they did bits, and they were so powerful. No one wanted to follow them. But comedy teams, if I could speak freely, throughout the history of time, their relationships together are worse than marriages because they don't stay together normally that long. 10 years is an incredible amount of time that you stay together. Most just can't deal with the idiosyncrasies of the personal lives and professional lives coming together. One may be doing something and the other one saying, God, I wish I did that how come i'm not doing that or the other one does something or in their personal life something's going so well and the other one's personal life isn't going so well and there's tension have you guys ever thought at one time in 10 years this is it i don't want to do this with her anymore i don't think so i mean no. there have been times where we thought we were going to maybe evolve into something else because we started writing songs for animated movies and our songwriting is just so perfect together that i don't think we ever i mean we might have thought we might stop doing 
on stage stuff, but I don't think we would either of us are willing to let this go like professionally. Yeah, it's just, and personal. I yeah. I feel like uh, you know it's funny throughout the years, and I, I don't know if it's just the nature of duos or even or just because we're women, but we've had many people try to kind of pit us up against each other, or there's it's always like, oh, you guys must fight, and like uh, I don't know. I mean, I guess maybe that is just an assumption based on like the history of duos like you're saying a lot there are, haven't been many super long relationships that were mm. healthy I guess well, one of the things I think that helped us a lot is we just decided up front in the beginning no matter who does what it's like 50-50 50-50 credit 50-50 money we're never arguing about this stuff and someone else handles it like the, it just like goes into our bank accounts through someone else we don't ever talk about that stuff mm-hmm. and like when we had our TV show they're like whose name is first Who, and we were like I don't know alphabetical and they're like okay but is Kate's higher and then we were like no no <laughs> yeah. there's only two of us we'll both get credit there's only two of us it's fine whenever I would see credits where the one person's name was just a little bit higher oh, like, it's so confusing gross. you're like already you have like a perception of what's going on here yeah yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah you don't see the movie but I think in that sense we've always been really just like looked at it in a in a real healthy way I think um, I don't know. I mm-hmm. I think, and also it's like, I don't think it go, goes past us how special our relationship is. And like, I mean, I feel like super lucky. Actually, you get, you see, I told you, <laughs> oh I, I can actually get emotional thinking about it. Because like, I, I feel like we, yeah, this doesn't come around very often. I mean, I always say it's the most successful relationship I've ever had because um, my relationships with dudes don't last that long. <laughs> so. <laughs> So that never happens where one person is like, hey, this week, let's do this, 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 and this. And the other person like, can we just take it easy a little bit? Oh, that's for that sure. I mean, yeah, that all, all, the time. all the time. And I think probably more so the first few years mm-hmm. because uh, Ricky was really the motor. And I wasn't, I think just because of our personalities, too, don't you think? Like, mm-hmm. I was like, I felt it was like a, walking down the street and it was like someone punched me in the face. And I was like, this is something. We we have to put everything we have into this. I know it's something. We had just started, and I called Kate and I was like, "This is the this is magic. This is like once in a lifetime we have to do this." And Kate was like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, yeah." I think but it then, took me about two years to really understand that. Like, so the first two years were probably, I mean, and also we were ten years younger. So it's like you know you're just figuring out how how you are as a, a worker, like a, you know, and how you work together and alert. You know, how do you work on stage together? There was a lot of growing pains in the beginning but um ricky was really patient with me in in figuring out that like oh this is a priority for me like i i just didn't know you know in the beginning you just i didn't understand it the way ricky did i was still doing it and i'm i'm i think with our personalities too i'm really good at like um like following in a way like and I don't mean to make that sound like a bad thing but like Ricky's a, a motor and, and very type A and would be like this is what we should do and I'm like oh okay so like it was a lot of that in the beginning and I feel like you know I still think probably that's the dynamic but but it's definitely melded into a like a, a much stronger thing do you remember the conversation we had here at our first Montreal you asked me you were like why are you so like doing all this stuff and I was like you'll get on board yeah, was that, that here? I that remember here. that conversation. I didn't realize it was, it was in, in that Montreal. little apartment we were staying at. And I was oh like, my gosh, get, I was yeah. like, because I know you'll get on board. I know you will. And Kate was like, oh yeah, maybe. And I was like, you, you will. You'll get it. You'll get on board. And then one day, uh, I was picking Kate up for a show, and she got in my car, and she had this gonna make me cry. <laughs> and she had this like paper calendar printed out with all of our stuff on it and our schedule. And I was like. Oh my god! It's like what? I'm like you're on board. Yeah. I got so excited. That's so true. I remember that it so well. It was years, and you got my heart. Yeah. I was like, oh, thank God. 
I mean, and I don't, because I had been out here with, I had a solo show called Playing with Makuchi, and Ricky, that's where I kind of started doing that. And then about, I guess it was like a year into that, I was up at Montreal with that show, and I was doing it for two weeks at the uh, Theater St. Catherine. And so Ricky was able to come for the second week, this like the second half of the run. So why don't you just come up and be in my show, and then like, who knows, like we'll get to like meet more comics, and like we were just dipping our toe into this world. But you had a planned show, so where would she go in the show? Like, she was like, this, it was like the special end, it guest was like kind of like, song. yeah, hey, we have here's some songs with us like it was it was like under the umbrella of my solo show and then it was like here's a special guest let's see what happens you know and you closed the show with them i don't know if we closed and i don't think we closed it but it was toward the end right near the end truthfully it's hard to follow us <laughs> i think i like would do i would do like maybe one like sweet sad song or something after our like uh loud loud more dirtier aria material because my songs were about like my dog and the moon and, like not kidding and then uh a mr rogers and then ricky would come out and we'd sing like about these like you know we had a song called fuck you and like i don't know like that was that's our first song. yeah and so like you know here's this sweet little show with puppets and then ricky comes out and we're like Rah! and then i think yeah so we were toward the end garfunkel knows mm-hmm. part was toward the end hey everybody let me remind you one more time about my new blueprint for success It's a project I've spent months and months working on just to help you jumpstart your comedy career and beat the competition. Whether you want to do stand-up, sketch, improv, acting, writing, producing, directing, radio, social media influencing, or even if you want a career behind the scenes as a manager or agent, Blueprint for Success will give you all the tools you need to take your career to the highest levels. With exclusive interviews, my top 50 commercial-free episodes from Industry Standard, one-on-one coaching with me, and unprecedented access into my knowledge and experience from over 40 years in this crazy business. I guarantee you that with Blueprint for Success, you'll become the creator you've always dreamed of becoming. No one's asking me to do this. I want to do it because I want to help you become truly undeniable. So just go to barrycats.com, click on Blueprint for Success, and start your incredible journey today. I truly can't wait to work with you to help you change the trajectory of your comedy career forever. Hey everybody, I've talked a lot about AquaTrue on this show, the amazing water purification system that's literally a miniature water cooler in your home that purifies the water in a way that no one else has ever figured out how to do. It's this incredibly efficient piece of equipment, and it gives you the best tasting water you can ever imagine for pennies. You just take it out of the box, plug it in, put your tap water in it, and it takes out all the bad chemicals and gives you the best and healthiest water you can ever imagine, saving you thousands of dollars each year from buying bottled water in the store. I have one at my house and office, and everyone who uses it orders one, and you should too. Just go to industrystandardwater.com and type in the promo code Barry, and if you act now, you can get $100 off and start enjoying the best and most cost-effective water you've ever had, and never waste another dollar buying bottled water again. 
I remember when I was representing this comedy team, they were killing so hard. Sometimes it's hard for them to not feel powerful and almost like no one can stop us on stage. If we go on stage, no one's going to be able to follow us. And I did something that I still to this day, it bothers me, but I thought it was an important moment that I had to do. There was a comedy team in Rhode Island called Cato and Morin, and they were a powerful comedy team, but in their town, Rhode Island, Red Johnny and the Round Guy were in New York, and I booked them to headline at this Providence Club, and I booked as a middle act Cato and Moran. And Cato and Moran got standing ovation before them. And for the first time in their careers, Red Johnny and the Round Guy bombed. And then they yeah. went on again the next show and bombed. Whoa. And by the end of the run, they were psychologically disabled and asked to go in the middle for the last night. And when they came back to New York, they were really mad at me. But the great moment happened about... A year later, they came into my office and I said, what's up? And they said, we just want to thank you because that night really gave us humility and we realized we were being a little bit too full of ourselves. And if you notice here in New York, we're kind of a little more humble with all the comics. Has there ever been a situation where you had to go on after an act that maybe they had you in their sights and they like, God, these people are unbelievable, but I'm going to go on before them and take a little wind out of their sails. If that's happened, we're pretty oblivious as yeah. far as like <laughs> the politics of comedy. Like for, I don't know how, but like I, when someone's like, oh, did you hear about that? I'm like, no, like, I just don't totally know any of the gossip. I, I don't know who doesn't like me. I don't know. Yeah. Nobody. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's somebody doesn't like me, I'm sure. But like, I just don't know. I don't know who are, if we have yeah. enemies, I don't know who they are. That might be helpful to us being so resilient sometimes, I think is just the... Uh, not realizing but yeah I, I don't I don't know I feel like in a way it's like the opposite for us like when we we had some like really early uh, success like when we like on stage not like financial success like on stage when when we would go up like our, our first time at a comedy club we went between um, Ron White Ron White and, and Stephen Wright Stephen Wright <laughs> Where was that? That was at the Laugh Factory. That was our first time on stage at a comedy club. You went between Ron White and Stephen Wright. Yeah. Stephen Wright, by the way, the first stand-up comedian I ever saw live. Oh, I love him. Amazing. And we killed. Killed. And we were like, oh my God, oh my God. Who went on first? Uh, Stephen, then us, then Ron. And we were like... And so we did that. And then we went to um, Comedy Bang Bang. And we were on a show with Patton and Paul F. Tompkins and all these people. And we had like the opposite of... Um, like feeling good about ourselves we were like we got to get better we got so lucky getting in this company so fast and if we don't get better we're out so when you say this like, company this company of um this level of talent like getting to be on a show with Patton oswald or steven Wright, like people don't get that opportunity and our material was not we kind of we knew we got laughs because it was like new and different and cute and we were like we gotta we gotta make our songs way better or we're not gonna last in this in this it felt so good being in that company and we're like we don't d totally deserve to be here so we got to work hard to stay here i've been doing this a long long time and i've been in comedy clubs a long time 
I have never seen Stephen Wright walk into a club in Los Angeles and do a guest set in my life. It's one of the rarest things that could ever happen because he lives on Block Island off of Massachusetts. And he's one of the few stand-up comedians that from the time he started on The Tonight Show, and you did The Tonight Show, but the first time he did The Tonight Show, he went to the couch uh, with Johnny Carson, which was one of six people to ever do that in 30 years. Wow. And from that point forward till now, he's one of the few comedians that hasn't shot through the roof like Andrew Dice Clay, but also hasn't fallen like some of the other ones he stays driving 65 miles an hour on the highway for 30 years he sells out theaters still to this day and he doesn't really engage audiences in social media or anything like that you just acknowledge that the guy's a genius so your first time on you kill jamie masada's in the crowd yeah. what does he say to you He's like, come back. Yeah, he was so great yeah. to us. Anytime, let me know when you want to come back. Mm -hmm. And then, um, and we were so oblivious to, like, we were just figuring out this world. Like, we didn't know much. And, like, uh, and so Ricky was like, I think we need to get a booking agent. And that very show, we were walking out into the parking lot, and uh, our booking agent, who to this day we work with, walked out and was like, hey, I'd like to represent you. And who's that? T.J. Mark Walter. One of the greatest. Yeah. I love T.J. Mark. This is the weirdest thing. <laughs> T.J. Mark Walter has this amazing thing where he's in these crowds, and he meets artists for the first time and says, I want to work with you, and then works with them forever. Yeah. He's, I mean, he's, he's amazing. And we've, yeah, we, it was one of those things that were, I think like that specific day of us playing the laugh That was Factory, a magical day. It, like so many things gelled that we could never have planned or, or even known about. And there, there were a few moments like that early on in our partnership where like we both were like, okay, this is something like whatever, whatever's happening. This is like pushing us forward at a very fast pace. And I think too, I, there's, I think just the nature of, being in a duo like it's like I always say it's like having you know two motors you just go faster like something something really great happens you just you know you can rise faster yeah. but you can also fall faster yeah I guess that's true we re like truly our first comedy set we realized that and we were like we gotta get better like we mm -hmm. killed and we got off stage and went we got we're, we're gonna be out so fast how many songs did you do that night I don't three? know. Yeah, probably three. Yeah. So a personal appearance agent comes up to you. The day we heard about them. Yes. Ricky literally that day was like, I, I was talking to another comic friend of mine. Like, well, we got that message on MySpace from a place that wanted to book us. And I was like, Kate, we have a job offer. And we didn't know how much to ask for. Oh, and yeah, that's right. So I called Doug Benson, who was the only comedian we knew at the time. But I was like, what do, how much do we ask for? What do we do? And he was like, you need to get a booking agent. And I said, who's yours? He's like, it's this guy, TJ Markwalter. And I was like, oh, okay. And then that night, we met TJ Markwalter randomly. Yeah. So Doug didn't tell him to show up. I don't know. No, I, don't, I don't even know if we knew we were, like, I don't. I don't think we had the audacity to ask. Like, yeah. I didn't I didn't think we would get represented by the same agent as Doug Benson. We should ask Doug. We always say that Doug is our godfather because he's... He introduced Yeah, us. we met through Doug. Mm -hmm. I just want you to understand something. Maybe you already know this, okay? I know people who have our specials, okay, that just came out or came out in the last year. 
can't get a personal appearance agent. <laughs> you got a personal appearance agent. First time. First in time on stage yeah. doing five minutes. Mm -hmm. A guy's like, I want to book you. I can do something for you. What was the first booking he made for you where you made money knowing that you only had five minutes? We, we truly had no, no yeah. knowledge of, uh, of comedy. And so it wasn't the first show we did. We did a couple shows. We rented out a little gallery and did a show there. Yeah. But we, we, well, the first time we went on stage, we did an hour. <laughs> yeah. Because that's just how thought, we're like, oh, that's about how long a show is. Like, <laughs> yeah. And I had my solo songs. Ricky had her solo songs. I played the trombone. We read poetry from Ashanti. Like, we just filled an hour. Like, we were just like, what can we do? It did not occur to us that to like have good material yeah, for an hour. We like, just had just, stuff. I don't know, it's a show. You know? <laughs> and we didn't understand that you needed to tune your instruments. We didn't have a tuner. We also didn't so, know, like Ricky's cord. My cord was too, I had to stand at the back of the stage because my guitar cord was too short. It like was plugged into the amp and it was like a two, <laughs> two foot cord. And so she was like stuck in the back corner of the stage. We I just mean, didn't know enough. We, and, yeah. and it was Ricky's birthday. So that's how we sold it out because she was like. I made everyone come for my birthday. You charge people on your birthday. Yeah. yeah well, the gallery did. Yeah. <laughs> That's fantastic. So, yeah. Do you remember from the first time at the Laugh Factory, TJ meets you, to your first gig booked as a headliner from him? How long was that? Not that long, because well, we had the one thing in Seattle that mm -hmm. was from MySpace. And then I think the next one might have been that one at the library. Do you remember the one where they for the university forgot to advertise us? Oh. And there was like 12 people there? Yeah, that might have been. We've had some pretty brutal uh, times on the road where like nobody knew, like it would just, yeah, like it wasn't they advertised. Didn't know what, or... if we were a band or whatever, so they just like didn't put us in this paper. So we played at a college in the, in the library. We got off and the stage and we nobody, hid. Yeah, no, oh my God, there's, we have a picture of us in the corner, like, oh my gosh, there's, there's just no people there. And it was right near the food court and it was so loud in the food court. And they were, yeah. yeah, the student who picked us up was like, oh my gosh, I totally forgot you were coming. And we're like, yeah, here we are. He was like, no, like we didn't do any posters. We didn't announce it. We didn't put it anywhere. <laughs> like, oh, so I think we had people wandering over from the food court. Yeah, there was like maybe 10, 10 people, 12 people. Yeah. We turned it into a Q&A because like nobody mm -hmm. wanted to hear us sing. No. And then and then the way the, the nature of the auditorium was like, there was like a door that was sort of just like in a curtain we hid oh. in that little area until everyone cleared out before we could because we just didn't want to see like, oh god we're so embarrassed <laughs> that was horrible <laughs> <laughs> so yeah that might have been the first one i mean we have there are many stories like that like we're just like <laughs> how do we get in this situation over and over again i just want to share another groundbreaking product with you it's a revolutionary air purifier that will change the way your home operates. And I'm talking about the air doctor. The air inside our home can be up to a hundred times more polluted than the air outside. But with the air doctor, you don't have to worry about it as it removes dust, pet hair, mold, pollen, flu viruses, and so many other contaminants that circulate throughout our homes. Till now, the only thing that could come close to this product were systems that cost thousands of dollars. But now you can get the Air Doctor for a fraction of the cost, normally $600. And if you don't believe me, check Amazon. But for a limited time, I can give you 50% off and save you $300. Just go to airdoctorpro.com, type in the promo code Barry, and get rid of all the bad toxins in your home. I'm telling you, I have this product. It really, really works. So get one now and start breathing the cleanest and healthiest air you can ever imagine. 
from the first conversation you had about we should do something together to when you go on stage for the first time, how long is that? I could tell you the timeline. I know the, well, oh yeah, but do you want to say how we actually started writing songs? Yeah, well, what happened was we um, became sort of just like fast friends and we realized that, you know, all of our friends were sort of struggling actors like we were. And you can't really like tell people when you get a job. So you can tell people like, oh, my audition was awful, but it's really hard to find people who will like celebrate you if you, if something goes well and it's a little, it's a little lonely. Yeah. And so we decided to be that for each other. And we started going to California pizza kitchen (laughs) and we would write down our dreams on these napkins (laughs) and put them in our, in our wallets out loud to each other. Uh And then we would meet up the next week or next few weeks. And then we would read them back to each other and see what came true. (laughs) One of the things was we both wanted to play funny songs again. Mm -hmm. We were like, oh, that's weird. I play funny songs. And it was always like, mine were always like, book two more commercials. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I think I'm like things like write, write a book, like, which I still haven't done. <laughs> but like stuff like that. Yeah. But we would like, yeah, we, we, it's a very vulnerable thing, I think, to like share your dreams with someone. And I mean, I think about it now more. It's like, that's, that's wild that we just felt so comfortable doing that. Mm-hmm. We had a moment like two years ago where we were like, let's go back to our original CPK and do it again. And uh, we walked over, it was in the Beverly Center. We walked over and like the sign was just like crooked it's and it was just deserted. <laughs> and we were like, does this mean it's the end of our dreams? <laughs> <laughs> but they started lining up and um, one of my things was I wanted to like find out what I was good at. I was, so I decided to write and direct a short. And I was like, I'm going to do this. And I wrote it for us to be in. And then I saw Kate doing, I came to see you do some funny songs. And I you was saw like, my show, I think. My yeah. Show. And well, I saw you at, um, oh yeah. The snorkel. Thing. Yeah. yeah. The first, that's the first time I ever performed in Los Angeles. Yeah. I saw her first performance I sang ever. like a virgin through a snorkel. Mm-hmm. And I was like, we should do some song. We should turn this short into a musical. And we made it into a musical and we liked the songs. And we put the songs on YouTube. How long a timeline was that from you seeing the show till you put stuff up on YouTube? Uh, I started doing the show in, uh, well, wait, that, I think it was probably a year from where I was performing with the snorkel Mm -hmm. to us making that Mm -hmm. short. But I started doing my solo show maybe like two months prior to shooting the short. And I think that's when we were like, let's really write these songs. Mm -hmm. I remember you coming to see that. But then... What happened was Ricky, we were just so excited that we wrote some songs. And by the way, wrote them very fast in one day, two songs. And it just like happened and it, was, it felt so exciting. And we ran over, we were like, we need to play this for someone. So Ricky called a friend and like, we, we were just, just like, calling people being like, who can we play these songs for? And then the first person that picked up was my friend Wendy. And we're like, can we come to your house and play some songs? We wrote? Like Ricky didn't even have a guitar case. Like we just like carried a guitar over and we made this really sweet woman sit on her couch and listen to us sing Fuck the you. songs we just wrote. Yeah. But then. What was her reaction? She was so, so nice. nice about it. <laughs> she was like, good job, guys. Yeah. Like, but also, what are you going to do when two girls call? I'm like, we need to sing to you. Like, yeah, it was just like. I would say come over. Yeah. yeah she was very nice. So sweet. But then Ricky wanted to share them with her family. And this is like the super early days of YouTube. And so she said, let's just record these into my camcorder. So we sat on her couch. We looked at the camcorder and we we sang our two songs. And then she put them up on YouTube. And. It was so early in the YouTube days that I didn't realize that other people could see it. I didn't really either. Our channel is was like the first half of my old email address. Like our channel still doesn't have a name. Yeah. It's just it's so we funny. didn't know. Yeah. So the first two videos, the songs were what? Uh, fuck, fuck you, you and, and only, only you. you. Yeah. Fuck you and only you. And you send that to your parents mm-hmm. first. And I just remember being mortified that 
more people could see these videos. I remember almost wanting to tell you to take them down, but I, I didn't. But it was just like, oh, God, that's so, like, this was supposed to be for your family, and, like, the public can see this, but, like... What did your family say? Oh, my, my family loved it. But then, simultaneously, like, we both got, like, movies that took us out of town for three months. Ricky went away to uh, South Africa. Mm-hmm. I went to New York. And then I remember where I was. I was walking down the street in New York, and you called me, and you were like, people are watching our videos. And I was like, We had, what? like, 800 views or something. Yeah. Like, what? That's crazy. So when we both got back into town, after, like, having these, like, magical experiences, like, our first real time, like, you know, good chunky times out of out of uh, L.A. to, like, be in a movie. It was, like, very exciting. And uh, we got back, and we started writing more songs. So, yeah, it was basically... We put those up on YouTube in February of 2008, and then by like June of 2008, we we started writing more. Mm-hmm. And then, and then oh, September we September was our first show at the Steve Allen Theater. We did the Tomorrow Show, Ron Lynch's show. John C. Riley introduced us on stage at like three in the morning, and a friend of mine was in the audience, and like <laughs> she said, um, "I really think your songs are great, but can I can I give you like one?" suggestion and I was like sure she's like maybe don't laugh the whole time (laughs) the whole time we were just giggling and then we did our hour show on March 5th of next year that following year and then the comedy club was probably right around there March yeah yeah so before you both do those movies in South Africa and New York yeah when you put your ATM card in and it gave you that little piece of paper back when you looked at it, were both of you like, am I going to make rent? Or I, Well, I just financed that short. I just, I paid for the whole thing. And so that was like, that I could not afford. So then I was, I was in credit card debt at that, that time. That month for me was, I remember it so vividly because it was so hard. I was taking every job, extra job, anything I could to make money. I was in such debt too, just from loan, college loans and living in Los Angeles, uh, very frugally, but still like just, it's so hard. And I remember getting to New York and needing to borrow $20 from one of the producers to get a cab to get back to my hotel. And it's like a very funny thing because they put me up in a really nice place in New York City. So I'm living like I'm, I have money and I had like zero, negative dollars. It was a tough time. But then by the time we got back, you yeah, know. We borrowed money from my parents yeah. to make our first EP because we didn't have money to mix it or we just didn't have extra money. Yeah. No matter what the art form is, you have to have some kind of, of equipment. Even if you're a stand-up, you need to have, you know, an outfit to go on stage and, and gas in your car and to get to the... You have to have, you know, some resources to pursue an artistic career. So, like, any extra money went into this, I think. I, I just think, just in general, like, pursuing something in, in Hollywood or, you know, whether it's music or, or acting or comedy, like, it is, like, I think one of the biggest catch-22s catch because if you don't have any padding financially like I it's just how do you how do you pursue your art while like pr- trying to make a living like it, and where do you put your energy it's such a tricky thing it was a really really uh hard time <laughs> I know we were so lucky that my parents oh my gosh supported us just for that yeah to make our our album yeah we signed a little contract and mm-hmm. we paid them back like maybe a year later because we put the album on iTunes ourselves and then so we got all the profits from it and it started selling and then we use that chunk to pay back. I know Ricky because she got a small role but it's Hillary Swank's sister mm-hmm. in Million Dollar Baby which won an Academy Award so. That was my first movie. And a lot of artists feel like when that happens that well naturally 
the next one's going to be a gray one and the next one's going to be a gray one and people are going to notice and I'm going to do this, 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 and this. But in acting, you're not in control. Mm-mm. You're working for the fucking man. Mm-hmm. And with Garfunkel and Oates, the difference being that first big break, you write, you produce, you direct, you perform, you finance, you distribute. Well, it's interesting because it's like, it is what we, every single day we struggle with what to do with our time. It's become the kind of key core problem in both of our lives. It's like we wake up and like, do we work on Garfunkel and Oates? Do we go on an audition? Do we try to write, do we try to write a screenplay that day? Like, do you do voiceover? What, like, what, what is the best use of our time? And we definitely haven't figured that out. We definitely are. I feel like I struggle with time management and where to put my energy and things get so dissipated and it's hard to finish things when you're you know spreading yourself out like that and i still don't know how to do it the sanity in those times when we are stuck on set for 12 hours doing someone else's project that maybe isn't very fulfilling and or going on auditions where it just crushes your soul over and over the thing that it really helps to have something that we're actually creating and is totally just your own if i did have a terrible audition and I had a Garfunkel note show that night, it definitely balanced that mm-hmm. out. It's a lot better than going home and like having a glass of wine by yourself. Yeah. Or eating a McDonald's hot punch Sunday, like I'm known to do. Ricky knows all the where all the McDonald's are in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a talent. <laughs> I've watched a lot of your videos. There's the Jesus. Oh, the loophole. Oh, loophole. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I must have watched that 80 times. <laughs> That's where those extra views came yeah. from. Uh, keep a tally on that. No. that was I, a... It took me about a year to come around to writing that song because Ricky had this like brainstorm and she was like, "This is a great idea for a song." And we were brainstorming. Like, Fuck me, ask because I love Jesus. And, and I was like, like "Yeah." At first, I was like, "Yes," and then I was like, "Oh, that seems not like I don't know if I can sing that." Because you couldn't even give your parents the video. Yes, <laughs> uh, exactly. It's all stems from the same spot. But um, but then about a year later, I kind of just like I had this moment where I was like, "No, it's such a great." Let's like, I remember calling you, like, "I'm ready. Let's do the song. Let's write the song." And uh, she always gets on board. Yeah, it might take me a year, but uh, I do. And uh, I think I think that yeah, that was like that was a tough one when that came out. It was a a big problem with my family and our relationship for for a brief moment. Uh, I think they just thought I had changed or something, or I wasn't the same person just because of this material that we were singing. And, and did you explain to them it was an acting piece with music. I tried, yeah, but then I think within. It really just took me going home and then realizing, oh, I'm still the same person. This was, I, I think they just thought it was me or something, you know, like, like, I don't know, like, like some sort of like, I can't quite explain it, but I definitely uh, started going, going to therapy after that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it was good because I, I needed to figure some, some family stuff out. But yeah, they're, they're now totally, they're fine. I mean, like my mom was, oh, but like they've come around as, as, and I have too, like we've grown, we've grown together with, with figuring out how to handle some of the things we sing, which is just really just being like, oh yeah, it's, it's entertainment. It's fun. And that wraps up part one of our podcast. I just wanted to thank my incredible partners, starting with Wondery. Check out their lineup of some of the greatest podcasts in the world at Wondery.com. And Aquatrue, the revolutionary miniature countertop water purification system that works straight out of the box. 
plug it in, fill it with tap water, and immediately turn your faucet into your favorite bottled water for pennies. You can get $100 off when you go to industrystandardwater.com and just type in the promo code BEAR and start enjoying the best water you've ever had and never buy another bottle of water again. And I Killed JFK, the groundbreaking film about the only living person who admitted to killing Kennedy. Go to IKillJFK.com, buy the film and the rare interviews with five of the last living experts, and I guarantee it'll change your mind about what happened that day. And the Air Doctor, the innovative portable air purification system which will change your overall quality of life. It instantly removes dust, pet hair, mold, pollen, flu viruses, and other contaminants circulating in your home. Normally $600, and if you don't believe me, check Amazon right now. But for a limited time, I can offer you 50% off. That's a $300 savings. Just go to airdoctorpro.com, type in the promo code Barry, and start breathing the cleanest and healthiest air in the world. And Good Company, an extraordinary web series on YouTube that host Scott Bowling created where you can watch music interviews with incredible artists talking openly about their journey in the music business. If you like a great in-depth music interview where you can hear about each album in chronological order and what the artist experienced along the way, this is the show for you. Interviews with incredible talents like Michael Sweet from Striper, Clinton Lejean from Seven Dust, Brian Head Welsh from Corn, Elias from Nonpoint, Mikey from Islander, Sonny from POD, and Rich Ward from Fozzie and Stuck Mojo, just to name a few. Check out Good Company on any social media outlet under Good Company with Bowling or go to www.scottgoodcompany.com. And finally, Boku Superfoods, the purest, most potent, and delicious certified organic, kosher, and vegan superfood blends on the planet. Boku Superfood is changing the game for thousands of people in 65 countries with their incredible formulated powders that you just add any liquid to and make the healthiest drinks or smoothies in the world. Just go to BokuSuperfood.com. That's B-O-K-U Superfood.com. Look for the three-pack trial. Enter the promo code Barry at checkout. Just pay a minimal shipping fee and get a full week's supply of Boku Superfood for free. I guarantee you'll look and feel better and understand why Boku is the number one family-owned superfood company in the world. And that wraps up part one of two episodes. You can check out the next episode this coming Thursday. And here's a preview of the next episode. The internet has changed everything. It didn't exist when, like the way it does now when we were young and making things, but you have this platform basically with one device where you can put your material out into the world. And so I just like share the stuff you make. So make a lot of stuff and, and share it however that is, whether it's not go putting it online, but with, with people. Thank you so much for listening and have a great day. As always, this has been Industry Standard with me, Barry Katz. And if you like the show, tell all your friends. And if you don't like the show, tell all your friends. You get all the money, drop that fancy car. 
All the people love you Cause you're going for Life is for the dreamers They have all to gain It's never quite over Till it all feels the same You pick your own poison Dig your own grave Down in the valley Fortune Thank you for listening to Industry Standard with Barry Katz. If you'd like more info on our schedule of new episodes or how to reach Barry through Twitter, Facebook, or email, go to BarryKatz.com. Before you leave, please take a moment to subscribe to our podcast. Leave a comment and rate it, even if you think it blows. Thank you for your support and have a great day.